We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with the man, the myth, the legend, the old guy, Norm Hightower, and our guests from Seahawks territory, their managing editor, Corbin Smith. Guys, what a great week for football. Welcome to our preview show. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Old guy, huh? <laughs> I had to throw it in there. <laughs> I, it's been so long since you've been on the show, man. I thought you were in talk, retirement he, home. He talks about me threatening his life all the time, and now you know why. <laughs> so, okay, so before we get into this, uh, in case you have this last time, I'll bring it up in case you haven't noticed, we're on Spotify and TuneIn now. So we're pretty much everywhere out there possible on podcast areas. I mean, I've even looked up uh, looked up Corbett's podcast and found him out there too as well. So you guys can just go and find us anywhere. Right now, we're st- I upped the ante. We're at $75 gift certificate for anybody who gives a five-star review. You entered that contest for it on iTunes. Come and help us out. We really appreciate it. Please help us finish this contest. It's going on longer than the, Cleo- the Cleveland Browns playoff drought. It's just getting old. So there you go. There's our big push in the beginning of the show. Corbin, oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. Seahawks won a close one in Arizona, cost the win. How's the team spirits after Sunday? 
Well, I think Pete Carroll summed it up perfectly after the game. It was really it was a victory that felt like a loss. It was bittersweet uh, dealing with Earl Thomas's injury and and honestly, Will Disley, the tight end rookie out of Washington, that injury was a big one too. So losing both those guys, obviously, the thing is, I don't know what it is about Arizona. Every time that the Seahawks play in Arizona recently, it's just. I've seen House of Horrors thrown around. I don't know if there's a better way to define it. They just injuries, injuries, injuries. Arizona ruined the Legion of Boom. All three of the main Legion of Boom players, Camp Chancellor, Richard Sherman, and Thomas, probably had their careers with the Seahawks end on that field. That it's just it's heartbreaking. It's not something that Carol wanted to talk about after the game, but um they did win. They are two and two. Uh Josh Rosen, I will say this. I, I think that kid's gonna be a good one. For the Cardinals, I was impressed with how he played in that game. So uh, it was a much different situation than Sam Bradford, who, as you guys know, uh, familiar with him and his time with the Rams. It's just the guy has gotten so much money for doing very little. And uh, now he just gets to be inactive and won't make too much money the rest of the year. But uh, it was it was tough sledding against a Cardinals team that, you know, even though they're 0 four, they they're not a very good offensive team. But there's still some pieces there and you feel like they're going to upset somebody here in the next few weeks. Well, you guys seem to get hurt a lot down there, but we also seem to hurt quarterbacks there. So Rosen probably should watch out when he faces the Rams. Um what does losing Earl Thomas mean for your Seattle Seahawks defense? You know, it's never easy. I mean, we got a Hall of Fame player that gets injured like that. And obviously with all the drama that's been surrounding him with the holdout and sitting out practices just because he wanted to sit out and protect his body. I mean, there's been so much drama there. But he has been, I'm going to argue, he's played the best football of his career the last three, four weeks. So, that it's a huge loss. The one thing that's a big difference now, the Seahawks have unfortunately had to live with life without him quite a bit the last few years. 2016, he missed the last five games because he broke his leg. He actually suffered basically the same injury this past weekend, uh, fractured tibia. And so they played five games without him. Quarterbacks, the rating went up to over 100 against the Seahawks when he came out of the lineup. They were not in a good situation with him not being in there. They were playing Stephen Terrell, who has bounced around with several teams since uh, being with the Seattle Seahawks. Now they've got a kid, a second-year player, Tedrick Thompson, who was supposed to be the starter when Thomas was holding out. And he was the starting free safety the entire offseason, all of training camp in the preseason. And Carroll has talked about it. And you guys know how this is. Coach speak. It's everywhere in the league. But uh, Pete Carroll has been – he's emphasized that this kid has had a phenomenal offseason. He, he has not uh, held back complimenting this kid and praising him. And he had a pretty good uh, preseason too. Uh, he looked like a totally different player than he did as a rookie. So – they feel much more confident, and he's obviously not Earl Thomas. There's not another Earl Thomas in the league, but they are confident that Thompson can step in and he can play at a high level like they've had with a lot of their other young secondary players who have surprised people this year. Well, you can't see it, but I'm flipping you off right now, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. No, well, it's a, why it's would a, you do it's, that? It's a big stadium, guys. I, I can't see it. So. <laughs> Well, um, Earl Thomas did it to the to the sideline, so I thought you know I'd throw you one just for the heck of it. Yeah, that that entire situation. I think Carroll's probably correct. Although, again, coach speak, we have to consider that here. We don't really know what's going on behind closed doors, but uh, he, I think, took the right approach there. There had to be a ton of emotion going through with Earl Thomas there, going through this entire process because you you know you didn't want to play this last year in your contract risking the injury, but you knew if you didn't go, you were going to get fined. And, and so this is what he's been holding out for and seeing that all this stuff happened. And now he's only going to play a quarter of the season. It's, it's a really difficult situation. So I don't condone the behavior, obviously uh, flipping the bird, but at the same time, (laughs) emotions are running high in a situation like that. And, and things happen, unfortunately. So uh, I get it. I understand what was going through the mind of Earl Thomas to an extent. I don't understand completely. He's a little different bird in his own right, but uh, you can understand the emotional standpoint. And so all the people out there, they're just completely bashing him about this. Uh, I don't know. Have you played sports? Do you understand the emotions that go with it? And none of us can relate with all that money potentially being on the table that he was not given. So uh, it's a tough situation all the way around. Honestly, when I saw it, I thought it was just directed at Pete Carroll. I thought it had nothing to do with the Seahawks sideline. 
I just figured it was directed right at Pete Carroll. And I and, think it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that his teammates have been fine with him doing everything that he's done with the holdout and uh, missing practices and things of that nature. His teammates have backed him, and they understand. I mean, these guys know this is a business. And Pete Carroll even talked about this on Monday morning uh, on a radio show, that he understands that players right now are at a little bit of a disadvantage because of that previous CBA. They want to feel like they're respected, but it, but it's tough when you see things like this. It's just the way the business model is right now more than anything. So uh, 2020, that that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I still think it's that a strike is basically inevitable for a number of different reasons. Okay, so just rewind, please, for those of our listeners who are not entirely familiar with the entire Earl Tom situation. Can you re- rewind and give us the Cliff Notes version of how this all start? where did it take you here now and what does this mean for his future with the team are, are we done seeing him playing for, playing against us with the rams i'm not going to go on a limb and say that it's 100% certain but i would be stunned if he is in a seahawk uniform next year i do think the franchise tag is a possibility for seattle to try to move him I could see them doing that because they've already had contact with teams. And it sounds like, based on some reports that I've read and also some context that I have, that the Chiefs were definitely in significant talks with uh, the Seahawks about Thomas uh, before the injury happened this past weekend. But just to backtrack a little bit, you you said Cliff Notes. I'll go as quick as I can. But Thomas was entering the final year of his contract. He wanted to get paid as one of the top, as the top safety uh, in the National Football League ahead of Eric Berry. Right now, he's the sixth highest paid, so he felt that he deserved to be, uh, you know, paid accordingly. He's 29 years old, though. He's had now two broken legs in the last three years, so he's had some injury issues. He's an aging player that's still extremely talented and productive on the field, but held out all the offseason work held out during the preseason and training camp. And then a couple days before the season opener in Denver, he decides to show up because suddenly I'm not getting my game check if I don't show up. So he played in those first four games, had three interceptions, uh, was dynamite. So uh, the thing that stinks about this, both sides lose in this, but I think Seattle's going to be affected the most, especially if they don't pull the franchise tag move and then trade him because right now, they're not guaranteed anything in return if he leaves in free agency. Comp picks are not guaranteed. So at best, they could get a third-round comp pick uh, for Earl Thomas if he leaves in free agency, but there's no guarantee to that, and, and that also depends on how much money other teams are willing to pay a guy that's had some injury issues and he's going to be 30 years old soon. So uh, it's a very uh, it's a it's a tough, challenging situation for all parties involved, and you can't really blame either side necessarily. You can understand the Seahawks didn't want to be burned by another veteran contract. Camp Chancellor, we saw what happened there. Michael Bennett. Uh, became an issue in the locker room. They ended up trading him. They didn't want to risk a third contract for huge bucks and a bunch of guarantees, even though Earl Thomas has had a Hall of Fame caliber career to this point. They didn't want to do that based on what's happened the past couple years with other players. And then you can understand why Thomas, we see this past weekend, why he wanted that security too. So both sides had their reasons. Things could have played out differently, but I don't think he will play another game in a Seahawks uniform. I'm not going to go on a limb and say it's impossible, but it seems to me that's a bridge that has been scorched, and it's going to be really difficult for them to rebuild uh, their connection there. Well, we'll uh, we'll move on to something other than Earl Thomas, but since we're talking about injuries, you mentioned the tight end. Uh, who else do you expect to possibly miss the game or even be limited for Sunday's game? Well, they've got a rookie defensive end, Rasheem Green, that's battling an ankle sprain. Uh, Wouldn't anticipate that he's going to be able to play. He's still missing practice. He's a ways off. And K.J. Wright, the linebacker, uh, former Pro Bowler, he is not going to be back yet. He's still trying to work his way back from arthroscopic knee surgery before the season started. So, uh, And the big loss is actually not an injury and is linked to that. Michael Kendricks, uh, you know, I can't say that I got inside information about this. It was widely reported yesterday. But uh, indefinite suspension for him with those insider trading charges. And I, I just find it weird that with white-collar crime that – they can't at least set, well, he's going to be out four games or he's going to be out five. But regardless, he's out this week, and they already aren't going to have K.J. Wright. So they're going to be starting second-year linebacker Austin Calitro in this game most likely. All right, so 
the last time we talked, it was not the best day for you. And it's a horrifyingly awful loss for you to the Rams. How did this game have an effect on the Seahawks? And like, what can you tell us about their mentality potentially heading into this weekend? I don't really, I don't really think that. And Bobby Wagner talked about this today. I don't think the Seahawks are going into this game thinking too much about what happened in that matchup last year, and that's probably the right way to go about things. I mean, when you lose forty-two to seven on your home field, it, this, sometimes it's just best to just throw that game in the garbage can because they just fell behind early. The offense uh, then had to throw almost every play, and we know that's not going to end well, especially with Aaron Donald and company now and Dominican Sue on that defensive line. I do think there. There's going to be that avenge factor here, though. I think that the guys, there's plenty of players that played in that game that are still in the Seahawks roster. That, you know, that bad taste has still got to be in their mouth. Like, we let this team come in and just annihilate us on our home field. So I do think they'll be thinking about that as far as what they learned from the game. I think one thing they learned is we are not near the same defense when Bobby uh, Bobby Wagner's playing at 70, 65% as we are when he's playing at full speed. So he will be full strength this week. That's a big deal, especially against Todd Gurley. Uh, obviously, without Earl Thomas, I mentioned Tedrick Thompson. That's a guy that Jared Goff is going to be wanting to attack early and see where where's this kid fit in at that free safety spot. But as far as linking to last year's game, I really think they've put a lot of things from that day in the trash can and they've moved on. I think they're focusing on what the Rams have done this season and they're focusing on what they are building in their own uh, with their own team over the past few weeks and getting the run game going a little bit, playing surprisingly better defense than I think people anticipated with all the losses that they've had. Well, yesterday on Adam Schefter's podcast, Aaron Donald appeared on the show and they were discussing, you know, which quarterback did, did Aaron think was the toughest to sack and, he said Russell Wilson. Now, you guys played Denver, and we saw what Von Miller did to Russell Wilson, as well as the rest of their defensive line. Do you think he is going to be able to avoid getting pounded by this Rams defense with Brockers, Sue, and Donald on the front? I feel more optimistic about it than I would have if we played three or four weeks ago. Because and I'm going to throw a couple names out there. DJ Fluker missed the first two games. He has played outstanding football the first two games. He's been in a Seahawks uniform. He's really given the offensive line some nastiness and physicality in the ground game. But what's really surprised me is how well he's played in pass protection. That's never been his calling card. But he he didn't give up. I think I had him down for two pressures against the Cowboys, who the Cowboys have a pretty darn good front four. Demarcus Lawrence is one of the better defensive ends in football, and they've got some other good players up there. But they only gave up two sacks, and one of them was Wilson scrambling, and it was a covered sack. So they played much better in that game, and they played a really solid game against the Cardinals, who one of the few strong points they still have, they've still got Chandler Jones, and they're a blitz-happy team, so they like to create pressure with rushing the passer. So they've had two games against two teams that still have pretty good pass rushes, and they've held up better. I think Fluker's made an impact there, and having J.R. Sweezy at left guard, Ethan Posick's missed a couple games, and uh I don't think he's going to get his job back right now. Sweezy's returned to Seattle after a couple years in Tampa, and he's playing really good football. Looks like a totally different player in pass protection than he did his first stint with the team. So those two guys have been nice, and Jermaine Effetti's even playing a lot better since Fluker came to the lineup. It seems like that's calmed him or something. He's just he's playing at a much higher level having Fluker next to him, that veteran presence. So it's going to be a tough task. The Rams have one of the best defensive fronts in football, if not the best. And Aaron Donald, I think, is the best defensive player in football. So trying to keep him out of the backfield, he's going to make his plays. But I do think this is a better offensive line, a significantly better offensive line than what Seattle has had the last several times that they've played the Rams. So it'll be interesting to see how things unfold early and how Seattle holds up against that front. All right, real quick before we move on the conversation, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. His wonderful book, Hollywood's Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the Rams in the 1950s through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, 
and Les Richter in the story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Folks, you can find this book online at Hollywood's Team. Also on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's a great read. It's affordable. And even Norm read it. Yes, Norm read the book. Norm, what do you think of the book? Was it all right? Norm? You want me to, you want me to uh, hit you again, I think. No, I'm asking seriously. What did you think of it? It was an awesome book. I love, looking at the hist- I love looking at the history of the Rams. And when you read about guys like, you know, Crazy Legs Hirsch and and Norm Van Brocklin and those guys, it's what what can you expect? I mean, it, it's awesome. So there you go. Check it out. Hollywood scene, great glam, nineteen fifties L.A. Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Corbin, do you hear? Do you hear the threats coming from him? Do you hear these threats? I don't know, man. I I, I feel like I can understand the tension a little bit here, but uh, <laughs> it almost thank, looks like it you. almost looks like Pete Carroll and Earl Thomas, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, or Pete maybe Carroll, it's John Schneider me. and Earl. T- uh, who knows? But uh. <laughs> I'm thinking more like the Ultimate Warrior and the little guy that was the Undertaker's dude. That that would be that would be Derek. Who was the little guy? I forget. Is that Paul Bearer? Or anything about him? Paul Bearer. Yeah, you would be Paul Bearer. No, no. I, I prefer <laughs> WrestleMania Six with Hulk Hogan. You can be, you know, Ultimate Warrior then. Yeah, but I, I'm talking about my size compared to your size and how bad I would beat you. So is that Earthquake versus Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling some memories out. Before he kills me, Corbin, he's, we got a couple more questions for you. Norm, uh, you have this one. Do you want to go ahead and give it to him? Sure. You know, how does this? How does the Seahawks offense match up with the Rams defense right now, especially with Aqib Tlaib out of action you know, where do you see Russell Wilson and the Seahawks focusing their attack? Well, right now the big thing has been, and this, and there's, you know, your analytics people out there are saying, what, what's the point of establishing the run, or it's not that important, or running backs don't matter. But Seattle has kind of, well, everybody's zigging, they've zagged a little bit, and and they've went back to really getting that ground game going, and it's starting to work. The last two weeks they've had. 100-yard rushers for the first time since the playoffs in 2015 in back-to-back games. They hadn't done that in that long of a time span. So, And they did it with two different backs. Chris Carson did it against the Cowboys, and then Mike Davis, uh, of all running backs, went for over 100 yards this past weekend against the Cardinals. So they've gotten the ground game going, and the offensive line, as I mentioned a bit ago, getting DJ Fluger back has been a big part of that. And and I think getting rid of Tom Cable and replacing him with Mike Solari has been a big difference maker for that unit as well. So they're running the football much more effectively. The thing that – and you guys are familiar with Brian Schottenheimer, uh, former offensive coordinator for the Rams. It's – as expected, the offense has been predictable at times, and it doesn't seem like they've really tried to push the envelope, getting the ball downfield very much with play action off of that run game. So this week I'm anticipating against a team as talented as the Rams are defensively, but with Tlaib out, that there might be some chances to take some of those shots downfield, if, especially if they get the run game going a little bit and they're able to have a more balanced attack they don't get behind the sticks and they're not one-dimensional, that those shots are going to be there. They really didn't take those shots against the blitz-happy Cardinals. They were they were dipping and dunking a little bit on the short throws. And In fact, uh, this is not something that's to be proud of, but Seattle managed to win a game going 0 for 10 on third down. So they will need to open up the playbook a little bit more this week and convert on third down, move the chains, and be be more aggressive in the passing game. They're going to have no choice. But I do think Tlaib being out is going to be a little bit of a benefit, uh, especially if on the other side, Marcus Peters is still not 100%. So I, I'm anticipating they're going to come out with a little different game plan, game plan this week. And they're going to come out being a little more aggressive, trying to get the ball going 15, 20 yards or more downfield, get some of those intermediate and vertical passing routes going off the run game. Honestly, I think their best defense right now is to run the football and keep the Rams offense off the field. So I would I would agree with you 110 percent on that. Absolutely. Uh, They definitely get They're going to run the ball. They've proven that the last few weeks. They're going to stick with it and they're going to run the ball. Uh, But I think against the Rams defense this week, they can't come into this thinking Russell Wilson's only going to throw 25, 26 times. I think he's going to have to throw the ball a little more than that. And he's going to have to take some shots downfield, which he didn't do last week. So just rewinding a little bit, Brian Schottenheimer, 
How has he been for you guys? Because we know how he was for us. How's he working? You know, for you? you know, I went into this season with an open mind because obviously, when he was offensive coordinator for the Rams, the quarterback situation was not necessarily good. When he was with the Jets, he had Mark Sanchez, and they ran the ball a lot because Mark Sanchez was the quarterback. So, you know, I he never had had a quarterback like Russell Wilson. So. I looked back at past film. I thought, well, maybe maybe he's going to be able to, you know, come in here and really turn things around. But I've seen a lot of the same stuff. That being said, I don't think the people that went out this weekend and were blaming him for that 0 for 10 on third down conversions. If you watch the film closely, Russell Wilson a few times he had receivers open past the yard markers and he just didn't get it to him. Either he didn't see him or he just misfired and throw. Then they had one time they had third and one decided to go in empty, even though they were running the ball well. That one, Pete Carroll, after the game, said he was kicking himself about, like, I'd rather fail running the ball. Well, obviously. But uh, there's there were a few times where, uh, obviously, Schottenheimer's presence impacted things. But I, I feel like he called a better game than people realize. That, that being said, uh, the predictability has been a factor. Uh, that's something that, going in, uh, I was anticipating that with them running a lot of the same stuff they did with Daryl Bevel – that maybe that wasn't going to be as big of an issue, but it, it has been noticeable, not as much the last couple of weeks, but uh, there has been a predictability factor there that, that's been a problem. And they've really held Russell Wilson back as far as running the ball. They haven't really done designed runs, things of that nature with them. So that's kind of surprised me a little bit. Well, <clears throat> the Rams offense obviously improved last year, and it looks like they've improved even more this year. Uh, they've been on fire and Goff probably had the best game. If I'm sure it was his best game of his career last week against the Minnesota Vikings, who is, you know, known to have a pretty tough defense. So what are the Seahawks going to do on defense against the Rams? How are they going to attack us? And uh, what are they going to do to try to stop this juggernaut? That's seems to be every week on the Rams team. Well, this is what, you know, I watched the entire game a second time, the entire Vikings-Rams game, and it's really, I mean, obviously you got to give tons of credit to McVay for the motions that he uses, the fly sweeps, all that stuff, to get the matchups he wants and force the defense to play certain coverages. But at the same time, it, it seemed like Minnesota was overcomplicating things to me a little bit. And, and when you try to overcomplicate your coverage schemes, that's when you get coverage breakdowns, and they had a ton of them in this game. So I think Seattle's going to go into this game, and, and maybe this isn't going to work, who knows. But but I think you know the Seahawks already run a pretty basic defensive scheme. They always have. That was what's crazy about the defensive dominance that they've had under Pete Carroll is – that they aren't out there to fool anyone. They, they're a pretty vanilla defensive scheme, but they're really good at what they do. So I think they're going to come out with a simple approach, as you would expect, and they're not going to be trying to disguise a whole bunch of coverages. There will be some, but they're not going to overcomplicate things, and they're going to focus on keeping the receivers in front of them if they can, try to eliminate those plays over the top, and whether this is the right mindset or not, obviously the Rams are loaded at wide receiver, but – Bobby Wagner and Pete Carroll both today said, hey, stopping Todd Gurley is still our first priority, especially as a receiver. They want to keep him from doing damage on screens and uh, catching passes out of the backfield. And obviously they want to slow him down as a running back, too, and try to, you know, the Rams obviously can pass the football as well as anybody in the game. But they want to try to make them one dimensional in this football game. So I think they're going to take a, a more simple approach to it uh, than what Minnesota did. I think if Minnesota could go back and play that game, I think play it over again I think they would probably do the same they those coverage breakdowns are just so uncharacteristic of a Mike Zimmer defense I was I was shocked by that just as much as I mean I expected the Rams are going to put points on the board uh but the way they were doing it in that game and and obviously the impressive play design and setting up uh getting the routes you want against the coverage you want all that stuff is impressive but equally as as impressive was the fact that the Vikings had those coverage issues as well that's just not expected like I said from a Mike Zimmer defense that was surprising to me all right so this is it time for the predictions corbin you're our guest tell us how this game's gonna go well i'm gonna stick with what i did on my pot and here's the thing uh my my co-host picked the rams to win by 11 so uh you know i looked at this i think this game is going to be extremely close uh, and obviously last year that last home game 
Obviously did not end up being close at all. Absolute annihilation. But I do think having a healthy Bobby Wagner out there is going to be a is going to be a big factor for Seattle compared to last year's game. I think they're going to come into this game much more fine-tuned detail-wise, being prepared. It just seemed like last year they just didn't show up and they were flat. I don't expect they're going to, you know, sleep on the Rams at all in this game. I think it's going to be a close one. I'm actually going to roll with 27-26 Seattle on a Janikowski kick at the end. I don't know why I feel this way. The Rams should win this game. Uh, but for whatever reason, there's just something about the way that the Seahawks are running the ball, the way their defense is playing. The pass rush has been better week after week, and it seems like that could be a factor in this game. Uh, so the Seahawks probably don't deserve to win this game. Uh, if you look at, the, if look at them on paper, uh, the Rams definitely have a better team, but there's just something about that game last year. I think, you know, they're not going to look too much at the film on it, but that taste in their mouth, Seattle wants to prove, Hey, they are not that much better than us. And in fact, we want to win this game. So I, I think this is a crucial game as well. Two and two dropping to two and three is a big deal. If they come out of this game at three and two, uh, things are looking a lot brighter moving deeper down the schedule, especially when they have a couple games coming up, one in London that's going to be crucial against the Raiders. So, uh, you know, I think if this one gets out of hand early, we saw what happened last year. I think that'll happen again if it gets out of hand early. But I think the Seahawks, because their run game is better this year, their offensive line looks to be better, and we'll see how they hold up in this game. But how they've played the last couple weeks, they look significantly better than previous years, and they're obviously much better coached with Mike Solari there. I think that's going to keep them in the game early, and I think that's one of those things the Rams haven't really – they were tested last week by the Vikings, but they haven't had a game where their offense has – has not you know dominated the entire game throughout. I think this could be a game where there are a few lulls for them, and if that happens and Seattle's able to run the ball a little bit, get a few exp- explosive plays in the passing game, it's going to go down to the wire. So I'm just anticipating a great game, guys. I-, I know a lot of people are calling blowout, especially after last year, how that game went down, but it's just, I find it hard to believe Seattle's going to let that happen a second time. Norm? <clears throat> well, earlier in the season, <clears throat> excuse me, before the season started, I picked the Rams to go 15 and one. Seattle wasn't one of the teams that got the one. So I am going to stick with what I've been doing since so far I've been right. And I'm going to say it's going to be a blowout 42 to 14. I think uh, the Rams are going to stop the run. I think they're going to rely on Wilson trying to win the game. And I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Rams offensively, which is going to put them behind early. And Wilson's going to have to try to make some miracles happen. And with Donald and Sue and Brockers coming down his throat, I can see him making a lot of mistakes. So I'm going to go 42-14 Rams. All right. For me, I look at this game and I, it was kind of Corbin, you said your partner had it Rams by 11. I found that weird because I have the Rams by 11. I have the Rams already 120. I think that's what my um, that's what Nick picked. Exactly oh, you said thirty-one twenty. Yes, exactly. What he I did not he listen to your show. I promise. Till the fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Rams are a second-half team. I think this will be a close game. They get into the third quarter. The Rams will just pull away. Um, to me, you, you can't beat talent. And I know you mentioned that the, the Seahawks have a, a chip on their shoulder about this game. I think the Rams do too. I think the Rams don't want to be that team that went up there one time and got it done, and, and all of a sudden. That's it. They, 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 there's a certain drive to this Rams team that we haven't seen in a very long time. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> greatest show on turf, 2001. There's like there's a killer instinct to this Rams team that wasn't even there last year. Well, now, let's not we, forget there's a chip on our shoulder too for them coming to LA and beating us. Yeah, and well, but I would think even not as much because we, we did beat them at the end of the year. But what I'm really talking about though is, and you've seen it when the Raiders kept the Rams in that first half, the Rams just put the boot in their neck. It never gave Arizona a chance to breathe. And whenever Minnesota came close, the Rams just, they have a kill instinct. They do. And that's what I think is really different about this team than what we've seen in the last, you know, last year and going back a very long time. So that's why I'm going 31-20. Um, there you go. 
So we'll see. We've got kind of the kind of mid ground close game. I've got the nail biter, and then Norm's going blowout. So one of us will be right, <laughs> and two of us will be wrong. So I guess we'll be we'll be talking a little bit trash on Twitter. Hey Corbin, I know you moved around, so you were at Seahawks Wire for a while. Now you were at Seahawks territory. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you and check up on well check on the enemy? Yeah, I'm actually writing for the Seahawk Maven, uh, which is associated with the Sports Exchange. Um, started uh, that position about three weeks before the season started. So uh, we've just moved our podcast over. It's the same same setup. It's just been rebranded, and so uh, it's been a real. It's been a ton of fun uh, being able to be in the press box for the first time this year has been really exciting. And uh, so regardless of what happens this weekend, uh, I'm going to get a, an interesting view of it at the, at century Lake field. But uh, uh, as far as the way things have been functioning on that, we got a brand new website, uh, seahawkmaven.io and uh, we've had some awesome uh, work put on there from a few other contributors. We're working to add some other guys. So we're just getting started, getting the ball rolling a little bit, and you guys know how this goes. It's a it's a tough business trying to attract uh, attract clicks and listeners and readers, and there's so much information out there and so many other media outlets. So uh, it's very competitive, and uh, I enjoy that. All right, so one more time, Corbett Smith, Seahawks Maven guys. He has a great podcast, really deep into checking into the X's and O's. Like he said, his film studies, good stuff. So thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, and I guess we'll talk to you again later in the season. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And hopefully, hopefully, I know you guys want the blowout, but I mean, hopefully, this week, uh, this week is not like week fifteen last year, and this ends up being a dogfight. I think we all can agree if it's a close uh, battle between rivals, that's more fun to watch anyway. It's more fun, but I'll be honest with you: as much as the one thing we didn't talk about in this episode was the Rams injuries. The Rams have a lot of them, and heavens, if there are more injuries, man. I don't want that dog fight. I'll take a I'll take a blowout and avoid <laughs> more injuries. <laughs> yeah, there's rationale there. It makes sense, guys. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on again. It's always a it's always a blast. All right, good you talking to you, Corbin. And hopefully, I don't have to eat crow later this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. How I'd it prefer goes. to I'd prefer to dine on Seahawk. Oh my gosh, I, I don't even want to eat Seahawk. <laughs> All right, take care, Corbin. Have a good one, Corbin. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, you. Okay, so before we move on to the last part of the show today, uh, hey, the Golden Ram Barbershop, here's Norm with his amazing rendition of our sponsor. Now it's time to give a shout-out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams, on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, it, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But it, Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. It made Johnny magical. Magical, I'm telling you. All right, so, again, thanks to our both of our sponsors, Jim Hawk and the Gold Rain Barbershop with Sal Martinez. You guys are just mean the world to us. And, uh, again, thank you for all you do. Quick news here, quick news and notes. We got the injury list out, the Wednesday injuries for us. Norm, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, he got real quiet. So, Mark Barron, listed with his ankle, limited. JoJo Natson, limited this on this Wednesday with his hand. Todd Gurley did not practice today, not injury related. That usually means a veteran day off. Tyler Higby, knee, did not play. Roger Saffold, uh-oh, knee, did not play. We need to watch the press conference and see how that, what that, what's going on there. Mr. Sue, not injury related, did not play. It's probably a veteran day off. Andrew Whitworth also did not play, not injury related. So, have you heard anything about Saffold? No, I haven't heard anything. 
So maybe it's maybe they're just taking care of his knee, looking after him. And the last one there is Zerline. Is He's got his right groin. He still did not play this week. We uh, Sam Ficken got kicked to the curve. They brought in a new guy. I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. Do you want to give it a shot? No. No? Okay. So he'll be gone a couple weeks anyways. Um, I do want to say something because I'm, I'm hard on Norm. And Norm didn't know I was going to do this because I like throwing things at Norm. I'm, I give Norm a hard time. Folks, I want to tell you something. Norm has been with me since the beginning, since I started Rams Talk, since the very beginning. And over the course of, of these years, he started off as a, as a staff writer. And he'll even tell you, not a very good staff writer. Um, but he worked hard. He showed commitment to us, and eventually he joined the, our team, the ownership team. And um, over the course of many years, Norm's become like my big brother. Uh, and, I, and I was the first of many kids, like a gajillion kids. I never had a big brother. And so he's become that to me. So I give him a hard time because he's that. So, yes, and he, he, even so, like a big brother does, he likes to pick on his younger brother, or in his case, threaten my life. But, you know, I just want everybody to know that, you know, not to be all overly mushy. That's really oh, what's going on it, here. Okay? It's all out of love. It's all out of love, brother. It's all out of love. Okay. So... <laughs> There you go. In case anybody's wondering, I, I, man, those guys are I, horrible to each other on the show. I only want to hold your head underwater just for a little while. Just a bit. <laughs> He's such a bully. So, anyways. Okay, so, you know, trying to get rid of that cotton mouth had earlier, too, trying to talk. Sponsorship, folks. We do need more sponsors. We have three shows on our network. We are becoming very regular. Our numbers... I am very proud to say in the last week, the Vikings week, we set a record for our site for the, for, for listenership. It's, we averaged, well, I came and it's, it's a, I want to speak, the math would be, I want to say 20% more than we even did the week before, and that was a record week. So thank you so much. Sponsors, come advertise with us because we're making things happen. We are reaching more and more people every episode. And they're your kind of people. If you are a restaurant, a sports bar, a sporting goods store, outdoorsmen, we, we, this is who we cater to. So come on, give us a call, 657-666-5453 for a voicemail. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Come work with us. We would love to you know, partner with some great people to better your product and hopefully help support ours. So there you go. Um, trivia. You told me you knew this answer, didn't you, from last week? Uh, it's been a week. I don't even remember the question. <laughs> okay, so last the, the trivia game, the trivia question from last week: The Rams first played the Vikings in November 1961. Who won the game? What was the final score? It was November 5th, 1961. Rams beat the Vikings 31-17. Dan Mancinas from California won that one. He gets a book coming his way. Dan, if you're listening, Wait. great job. I'll get the book out to you. Wait a- Way to go, Dan. Yep, yep. Uh, this week's trivia question, who caught the game-winning pass in the only playoff game between the Rams and Seahawks in January 2005? By the way, the Rams won that game in Seattle 27-20. Send your answers to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Again, who caught the game-winning pass in the only playoff game between the Rams and Seahawks? This took place in January 2005. The Rams won that game 27-20. You do remember that game, don't you? Of course. Were you there? No, I thought there was a good chance you would have. I mean, that was a serious question. I thought it was a good. No, chance I, you would have been there. I wasn't there for that one. I, I actually went to one of the games that season, but I wasn't there for the playoff game. So, all right. So as we get ready to sign off, what are your final thoughts on this game Sunday? We already got our predictions and you think blowout. I think it's a little closer. Um, where, how do you think this pans? Really? What are you looking for this weekend? Well, the defense for Seattle's kind of been decimated, you know, with their suspensions and injuries. I really don't think they have the tools to stop the Rams. And I think the Rams just want to keep this momentum with their offense going. So just like I said, you know, to Corbin, I feel like if the Rams jump out early, which I expect them to do, it, it's going to be playing catch up for Seattle the whole time. And I just don't think they have the offense to do it. I think you're going to see Sue and Donald's numbers go up in sacks this week, maybe even Brockers. 
and and I'm really expecting to see a blowout the way they've been playing. So if if I get anything less than that, I would be disappointed because I really think the Rams are rolling right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's to me, I still respect the fact that they're playing up there in Seattle. And that's one of the, the toughest home crowds in the country. It's still a horrible place to play for an imposing team. And it's still, to me, a rivalry game. These teams don't like each other. And I think that alone helps keep the game close. It's, it's going to be rare, I think, we see blowouts in this series. And and while I would love to see Rams blowout, I really would. I, I, you know, a blowout means we sit our guys and we, you know, we <laughs> our stars aren't at risk for injury. I'm really concerned about that, Norm. I really am. I'm looking at our injury list going, man, our depth is being challenged like no other right now. And like all last year, it wasn't really challenged all that much. We had a few minor injuries there. Robert Woods went out for a little bit, but we lost Greg Zerline. But in the end, Greg Zerline's injury isn't what hurt us. And So it's – I want to blow out for this game. I want one because I want our starters on the bench. I don't want them out there. I, I want – it's going to be a long time before we get a bye. And we've got numerous players on the injury reserve. Only two of the players on our injury reserve right now can come back this year. The rest are out for the year. They only can, they can only choose two. And so I'm worried about that. Uh, just jump on the Haas train, buddy. We're going to blow them out this weekend. Jump on the Haas train. That's right. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> He keeps it simple. I go in this long, heartfelt, thought-out diatribe about how I'm really concerned about this week. He's like, just jump on the Hoss train. It's fine. Fine. Well, know. you know, you're 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 forever the pessimist, and you probably always will be. So I'm just trying to get you to, you know, be a little more confident and come over and, you know, ride the train with me, and, and we'll we'll watch the blowout and have a good time. Well, you, you've been there. We, we've talked about this numerous times in the show. Any time in the past – six years we felt like this team was that was on their corner we got hit the rash of injuries and last year barely any and you were kind of waiting for that shoe to drop right I know I was I was waiting for that day that a certain quarterback got hurt or girly got hurt and, and knock on wood for all those things it's just that you know we're as fans too we're fans we don't just cover the team we're fans we know the, the uh how this works sometimes and we're also yeah. I hate to say it, we get superstitious I get superstitious and I know yeah, you but you got too. you got to quit, brother, because you talked about how deep the cornerbacks were, and then two of our cornerbacks got hurt. So <laughs> don't know, don't right? be talking about this other stuff. <laughs> You're man. like, don't mention I mean, that really... guy who play. Don't mention number sixteen. <laughs> don't mention that guy who runs the ball. Matter of fact, yeah. don't talk about the offense just, at all. All right, yeah. Just stop this crap. <laughs> <laughs> so and I, you're right. You're right. But and you, I'm I'm sitting there thinking that is true though. Last year's our our defense. Our just our depth period was not challenged like it is already being this year, and I think we're going to find out how good this team really is through that. That's well, the, the we're not the Rams team of the past. We are the new Rams team with a new coach and a new attitude, and you just got to buy in, brother. There is one thing I do want to mention before we go, before we sign off, and this is really kind of neat. I just saw on Twitter tonight one of our um, one of our cohorts in crime over there, over there at um, Downtown Rams, uh, a writer by the name of Jonah, okay, and he found out on Monday that his dad's cancer was back. But JB Long, the Rams announcer, got a message, came through for a message from Coach McVeigh, and they 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 sent he sent a message to this guy's dad, and. Uh, if you get a chance on on Twitter, follow the guy. I looked; his name is at j underscore o h capital underscore n a h, and take a look at this video. Um, and I think what it really says to me is just how different this organization is. One, Jonah, our thoughts and prayers are with your dad. Okay, dude. Um, best wishes to you over there, and uh, we hope it's all right. But I also want to say how proud I am of the Rams organization that they do little things like this now. This is something they didn't do 15 years ago, man. 10 years ago, they never did this. They, they were very active in the community in St. Louis, but they didn't do stuff like this, you know. Uh, the head coach of the team, Shaw McVay, sending a message to this guy's dad. You know, that's, that's, that's really special and um, makes me proud to cover this team. 
Uh, I don't know how you feel about stuff like that, but it kind of got me a little bit. For sure. And Jonah, I know what you're going through, man. And, you know, my thoughts are with you. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see the Rams reach out. And uh, it's, it's like I said, it's a new team. And it's a team I'm proud of. And it's a team I'm going to continue to be proud of. I've always been proud of them, even when they were bad. But this is different. You, it's it's just a whole different feeling, and I'm I'm excited to be a Rams fan, and I'm excited for this team, and the sky's the limit, brother. Just got to buy in. And at four no, well, there's a lot of people jump on the Rams bandwagon this year. We'll see how that bandwagon continues to fill up. All right, folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have a group, Rams Talk Room, because Facebook doesn't always do well with our algorithms for whatever reason. Then you say that right. Algorithms. Marble mouth again. Also, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at DC Apollo Norm, at Norm Hightower. I, I'm i not going to go through all 45,000 podcast outlets we're on now. Um, just really check us out iTunes. That, that five-star review I talked about earlier, the reward, I bumped up to 75 bucks just because we want this competition over this contest. For the love of all that's good and holy, please five-star review please so we can get this thing done and uh, guys a great game this weekend for norm hightower this is Derek c paula another edition of rams talk radio we're done take it easy uh, adios This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.